We're going to be in the book of Romans this morning, so if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We've been going through Romans in the college group during Grow Group time. Um, We're just going verse by verse each week, so we've just hit chapter 6 this week. As you're turning there, I want you to think about sometimes you hear about people who give their lives for a worthy cause, right? Like their death had a purpose behind it. There's many examples in the world, right, of people who um, give their lives for a worthy cause. Uh, the foremost example being Christ, right, giving his, uh, the, the sinless Christ, giving his life for us to pay for our sins. There's many examples there, but I'm talking about one in particular. There was an American soldier in World War II named John Robert Fox, and uh, he had the job of calling in the artillery strike location. Well, back then you had to have a line that was connected to the radios. You couldn't just be out in the middle of somewhere. So he was in a town. He was stationed in Italy. He was in a town. He was on the second floor of a building, and he was in charge of calling in the artillery strikes in the location. There was an attack the day after Christmas on the town that he and his division were in, and John Fox was on the radio in the second story of that building in town, and they were fighting back, and they realized that the, the German, the Nazis, had already infiltrated the town and had them outnumbered three to one. And so they were told to hold that town at all costs. It was a very important town in this battle, in this war. Um, They kept fighting, and John Fox called artillery strikes closer and closer in um, to the town to give them cover. Eventually, Fox told the men to retreat and called in one last strike. He was told that the location he had called was where he was at, the building he was at. And... um, Instantly, though, he said, fire it. There's more of them than there are of us. And so in doing so, they fired it, and he, he died in that, in that uh, artillery fire. He gave those other soldiers time to retreat, regroup, and get back a few days later and retake that town. And so the death of John Fox had a purpose, right? It, it was a purpose behind it. And this morning, we're going to look at how we as believers are identified into Christ's death, but what does that mean? Right? We've died in Christ's death, and then we're raised to a newness of life. And there's a purpose behind that death. Sometimes we can let the death um, of our flesh be pointless, Um, that the death had no reason behind it if we keep on going in the flesh. Instead, we're called to make sure the death of our flesh had a purpose behind it. So here's the outline of what we're going to see this morning. Verse 1, he has a question raised. He says, if grace abounds, then why not just keep on sinning? Why not just keep sinning? Uh, And then he answers that and said, we've died with Christ to live in Christ. We're going to look at what we were freed from in 5 through 7 and what we're freed for in 8 through 11. We're looking at righteousness purpose, um, which is the newness of life. So let's read that passage this morning and then we'll get started. So this is Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin." Now, if we have died with Christ, we shall believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer mastered over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray that as we go through this um, chapter in Romans that Paul wrote, that we would uh, see your word and that we would be encouraged or convicted as needed so that we can be um, people who live better lives to your glory, walking in this newness of life. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. The theme of Romans is God's righteousness. It starts out, and there's a little introduction, and then it talks about the need that we have for God's righteousness and the sinfulness of mankind. And then it goes on to how to get God's righteousness and then how to live it out later on in the the letter. First few chapters describe that need. It goes on to say the only way we receive righteousness is by faith in Christ. We cannot do it ourselves. We are not good enough. And then Paul discusses Old Testament righteousness through Abraham. He says um, that Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. So through belief, he got righteousness. We are declared righteous and we have access to the Father and we have the Holy Spirit. We saw these benefits of receiving God's righteousness in chapter 5. We have righteousness, we are declared, um, declared righteous, we have access to the Father, we have the Holy Spirit. Through Adam, he talks about in chapter 5, sin entered the world, but through Christ, the sin was paid for, and we can be declared righteous. The transgression of Adam and then the free gift of Christ. He says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And this is where we get the question in chapter 6. If grace abounds all the more when we sin, why do we not just keep on sinning? Logically, everything we do is going to be covered. Well, why don't we just keep on doing things? That's the question being raised. So look at Romans 6, 1. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? More grace always sounds pretty good, right? Not in this case, right? Christ had to die. I mean, it is good. Grace is good. But Christ had to die on the cross for those sins that we're just committing, right? He took our sins upon himself and paid our penalty. And if we just keep on sinning, we're taking his sacrifice for granted, right? God made it so that all we had to do to have eternal life was believe in Christ to give it to us. Romans 4, 5 says, but to the one who does not work, this will work, does not work but believes in him and justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So through our faith is how we're credited or given righteousness. So we take this free gift of grace and then throw it in God's face having this attitude of, well, God's grace will cover it, so I'll just keep on sinning. It's like um, doing something, like lying to your parents, knowing they're going to forgive you. And so, well, since they forgive me, I'll just keep on doing it. Paul is not a fan of this. Um, Look at his response to this this question that was raised. Romans 6.2, May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? May it never be. If you have the the Blake Brown translation in your laps, um, I would say this says, hex to the no, right? Like, don't do this. He's very emphatic. What are you thinking? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? This is the first time we're hearing this terminology in Romans of dying to sin. We've died to sin. In Ephesians 2, in the main service, we're looking at how we were dead in sin. And now we see that we have died to sin. We were dead in sin. Now we've died to sin. I want to think about that phrase. I don't want us to, us who maybe grew up in church, get lost in this Christianese, that we've died to sin. Right? We've heard this a lot, uh, maybe, if you've grown up in the church. How many of us in here hate their sin? Right? Yeah, quite a bit of us. Some of us didn't raise our hands, maybe haven't. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything on that. I'm going <laughs> to. Um, okay. Um, 
maybe we love it in the moment, right? In the moment, we're like, yeah, this sin is great. But then we feel the effects of sin and we feel broken and empty afterwards. Or we see the effects of other people's sin in our lives. The effects of sin, we see those around us are hurt. Our relationships are hurt. We see sin leading to divorce, leading to death, leading to kids not having parents. We hate the effects of sin that we see around us in the world. Now, though, Paul is saying that we have died to sin. Our flesh is what we have within us that is bent towards sin. It wants us to sin. He's saying we've died to that pull, that pull to the sin. So what is he talking about here, right? He, he, he's just getting started explaining this. He's saying you shouldn't be continuing to live into something that you've died in. He said you've died to sin. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Maybe, to appeal to the younger generations in here, I used to be an avid video game player, right? And it's been years later, and someone says, ask about me playing video games. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. that part of me is dead, right? I don't even partake in that life anymore. It's a whole different life almost of me playing video games and stuff. But if I was still consistently playing video games, that would make no sense. I said, I'm dead to it. That's dead to me. But I'm still doing it. It doesn't make sense. And so he kind of explains as it goes on in verse 3 about us being dead to sin, how we shouldn't be still living in it. He says in verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, this is talking about believers. The word baptized, baptizo, um, in the Greek means to dip or identify with. And it's this idea of if you have a purple dye and a white cloth, and you dip the white cloth into the purple dye, what kind of cloth do you have? Purple, right? It dips or identifies with um, what it was dipped into, right? And so we as believers are identified with Christ. We, have, we receive his righteousness. We're called children of God. And John 1.12 talks about, but all who did receive him, to them he, became, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So all believers, he says, were baptized into his death and were identified with Christ's death. We were buried as he was through his death, so that as he was raised to the glory of God, we too would walk in that newness of life. Christ died for sins and rose in newness of life. He died to sins and rose to conquer death. We as believers have died in him to our body of sin that we have, that flesh, and we have been raised in the newness of life in him. That's the purpose of being identified in Christ's death is this newness of life, is having this newness of life. That's the purpose of that death that we have in Christ. And so in that same pattern that Christ had of dying to sin, raising newness of life, we also should live in that pattern. He's given us freedom from the sin and gives us the freedom to serve him. Something interesting. We have died to sin. It's happened. We have been given newness of life, but we need to decide where we will walk. We no longer have to follow the flesh, no longer have to choose to sin. And we have been given this newness of life, but what are we going to do with it? Right? We can continue to walk in sin or we can walk in the newness of life. Romans 12.1 is one of the clearest places to see that we need to decide what we're going to do with our lives. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual service of worship. Paul says, I urge you, I beg you, brethren, fellow believers, I beg you to live for Christ. Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to put the flesh to death and walk in newness of life. The purpose of the death of our flesh is to walk in newness of life, to live in holiness and not live in sin. You and I have to decide if we're going to walk, what we're going to walk in, the death of sin or the newness of life. Now, Paul's going to explain what that looks like. What are we freed from and what are we freed for? He's laid his foundational statements, basically. Now he's going to explain a little bit more. So, uh, look at verse 5. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We don't say, yeah, I've died with Christ, and then say, but that's it. There's nothing else. No, we've died with Christ, and we've raised with him. Christ didn't just die. He also rose from the grave. If the Bible stopped at Christ died to pay for sin, and there was nothing else, Paul says we were the most to be pitied. If he didn't raise from the grave, we were the most to be pitied. Christ rose from the grave to show us he has power over death. Death has no hold on Christ. We as Christians don't look to a dead man to give us eternal life. We look to one who overcame death, who died and rose again, because we know that we can trust him to give us eternal life. He's proven that to us. So we were united with him in the likeness of his death, and we see that we're also in the likeness of his resurrection. We've died to sin, but we're alive in Christ. He says, knowing this, in verse 6, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. (laughs) So our sin was crucified with him. Yet, a lot of times we act like it's alive, right? Like the power it has over us is still very much active. You know, it's that kind of time of year, and some of us like zombie movies too much because we act like our sin is still alive, even though we've died to sin, right? We've died to that part of us. But the truth is, it's been killed with Christ. Our sin was placed on him, and he died. In order that, there's a purpose. In order that, our body of sin would be done away with. It makes no sense if we had a pet and died to act like it was still alive, right? That's illogical and kind of icky, right? To realize it's dead. Yet, when our sin is dead with Christ, we like to act as if it is, still has authority over us. As if nothing I could do, right? I'm still slave to sin. Nothing I can do about it. We were obeying what our flesh wanted us to do, but we don't have to now that we've died in Christ. We've died for the purpose of not having to follow the flesh anymore. It says in verse 7, For he who has died is freed from sin. That's what we're freed from, right? The first thing we see, we're freed from sin, the power of sin. Not that we're freed to never sin again. It may be great if we did, but after we believe, we still sin as believers. We still have the pull to sin. We just no longer have to follow that. We're freed from having to fall into the same consequences over and over again. We're freed from the things that lead to like divorce, families being torn apart, uncomfortable relationships, that feeling of dread that comes over us when we think about what we've done. We're freed from having to fall back into that pattern. And for some of us in here, it may feel like we never remember a time when we weren't in that cycle. We weren't in that pattern. We feel like there's no way to get out of this sin cycle. Even though we've died to sin, 
You still can't seem to get sin's power off of you, it feels like. Some of you may keep this dead sin hidden away, right? Deep in your closet, you're like, okay, this sin has died. Okay, cool, the power, I don't have to follow it anymore. But I know where it's at in case I need to go get it sometime, right? You act like it's dead. When you feel tempted, you pull this dead sin back out, act as if I don't have a choice, right? I've been there so many times, right? I have a temptation come up. I go over, open the closet door, pull out the dead sin in nature, and let it control me. I act as if I have no other choice. I make up excuses for why, really, I mean, once temptation starts, there's no way out. I was tempted. How am I going to not go against that? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. As believers, we no longer have to choose sin. It may feel like it sometimes, but God is faithful and he provides a way of escape. With this, we can't say, oh, I was tempted, nothing I could do. I just tempted, so that's what happens. No, we've died to sin so that we don't have to be slaves to it. Now, how do we do this, right? What is this way of escape he's talking about? It's walking in the newness of life. It's walking in the spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say to you, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If we're focused on the Spirit, focused on spiritual things, and we're choosing to walk in this newness of life and not following the flesh, then we can um, see the temptation and choose on God, to call on God for help. We see the temptation, we say, I'm going to call on God for this, to help. Instead of thinking we can just do it on our own strength, we rely on the Spirit. But we need to be walking in the Spirit for us, even really to have a desire to go against the flesh. I think it's easy for us, if we're not walking in the Spirit, that just temptation comes up and we just choose it immediately. For walking in the Spirit, it says if we walk in the Spirit, we will not carry the desire of the flesh. It's not if we aren't carrying out the desire of the flesh, we'll be walking in the Spirit. Right? It takes turning to God first. So we need to be walking right, in this newness of life. Walk in the newness of life. While we are freed from having to follow the flesh, we are not freed from the enticement of sin. We're freed from having to follow it. We're not freed from the enticement of sin until we're with Christ. So we've been freed from sin, but we're also freed for something better. The death of our, of our sin nature, of that power, is for a purpose. Look at verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. That if, in the first, like, if we died with Christ in the Greek, um, it is a first-class if. It means we have died. If, and it is true, that we have died with Christ. So since we believe that, we also believe that we will live with him. Just like death cannot hold Christ in the grave, it cannot hold us in the grave. We, if we've believed, we believe that we will be with Christ. Right? Now, one day, the, the trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who alive and remain will be caught up with him in the clouds and we will always be together with the Lord. So we believe if we've died with Christ, we will also live with him. Just like Christ will never die again, we will never die again when we're raised. And we no longer have to fear death because death of our mortal bodies isn't the end. We know that to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. So you've been raised, he's been raised from the dead, never to die again. Death is no longer a master over him. In verse 10, 
For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. The death that Christ died, he died to sin once for all. He didn't, like it was finished, right? He died for sin once for all. Sin was left in the tomb. And the question is, how do we treat our flesh? Do we consider ourselves dead to that old person that we used to be, the flesh that still clings to us? Or do we still let it control us? Was the death of our sin for a good cause? Or is that letting it keep controlling us? Was the death of our flesh purposeless? Either way, we died to sin as believers in Christ. We died with Christ. But does that death carry a purpose in our life? Does that death have a purpose? Or do we go on acting like we're still slaves to sin? Christ now lives forever to give glory to the Father. What do we live for? What are we living for? Verse 11 has a command, right? He says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just as Christ died to sin once for all, and the life that he lives is to the glory of God, we should as well. This is us saying that we're going to choose the Spirit. Right? We're not going to let life happen to us. We're going to be in control of life. Right? We're not going to be passive and let our body tell us what to do. Right? We're going to be active. JB has um, this saying, he says, if you're not um, consciously being transformed by God's Word, then you will subconsciously be conformed to the world. Because if we're just cruising through life, well, then we're going to start being in cruise control that's not what we actually want to be doing. Right? It's going to be our body telling us what to do. We're going to tell our body how we're going to act today. Right? Tell your flesh, no, we aren't snoozing again. No, we're not going to procrastinate like you want us to. No, I'm not going to look at the things you want to look at. No, we're not going to say the thing that you wanted me to say in that moment. Instead, we're doing what I say. Right? We're aligning with the Spirit today. We're calling on God for help for today. It's taking control of our lives and realizing we have a choice to make. Are we going to let life happen to us or are we going to make life happen through us? Right? Are we going to let life happen just to us passively or are we going to make life happen through us? Is it us in control or the flesh? And if we're in control, the only way we can stay in control is by walking in the newness of life. We can't do it on our own power. We have to turn to Christ, have to walk in the Spirit. Any other way is walking in the old life of the flesh, trying to do it on our own. So do we look at the death of our flesh as a good thing? Like, it died so that I could live in the fullness of the Spirit. Is that what we see our flesh as? It died so that I can live for Christ. Or do we hang on to that dead person, the old person, and make ourselves slaves to that flesh again and again and again? We are saved for a purpose. We're talking about in the main service today. We're saved for a purpose, by grace through faith for a purpose. We're saved so we can no longer be slaves to sin, but be slaves to righteousness. We no longer have to sin. We can instead do things worthwhile, things that have an eternal impact for good. There's two questions I want us to think about this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. We've died to the power of sin. Do we act like it? We act like it still has that power over us and we have no, no, no way to get out of it. It says we've died to sin so that we could walk in the newness of life. Do we live with purpose or do we let our flesh win? Do we live with a purpose or let our flesh win? We shouldn't keep on sinning just because we know we're forgiven. Like, oh, God's going to forgive me, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. 
That's like knowing your parents will forgive you acting out against them. So you just keep on acting out, right? They'll forgive me, so whatever. We can do that. We can make ourselves slaves again to the flesh, continually sin. Right? That's why he's talking about this. Should we do this? No, don't do this. Talking to believers. Verse 12 talks about that, telling believers to stop letting sin reign in immortal bodies. Instead, we need to understand that we died with Christ in so much as we died to sin. And through that, we are freed from sin. No longer have to follow sin since we died to it. But more than that, we were made alive in Christ so we could walk in newness of life, so we could walk in God's righteousness. It's the theme of Romans. Christ died to sin and he lives to God. We too should count ourselves dead to sin and live lives that bring honor and glory to God. Some applications from today. Recognize areas of life where you let the flesh rule. We should take time to think about this. Where are areas that I just let the flesh do what it wants to do? I let the first response that comes to my head be the response that I make. And then surrender those to God, right? Talk to God about those things. And then take control of your life in the sense of like, I'm going to be active in what I'm doing, not just passive, rather than letting your life control you. Secondly, it's walking God's righteousness. It's the purpose of your death in Christ. We died with Christ so that we could walk in the newness of life. It's a daily choice. We need to be in the word, right? Be transformed by God's word. And we need to love God and love others. Love is a choice, right? Look at 1 Corinthians 13 and the, the list of what love is, right? All those are choices. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boast. Um, does not act unbecoming, right? All those things aren't emotions. They're choices you make to love someone. And they may come with emotions later.